This is Hardcore Podcast. You just heard Wild Panther. Nothing to run from. This is off the demo. Yeah, that's right. Just popped out today. Kane. This motherfucker can do anything, man. Literally. He can fucking walk on water. Cure the fucking sick. Kane sings for Vomit Fourth. Kane plays guitar in Shattered Realm. Kane has played in bands like Absolute Suffering and filled in for everybody. There's nothing this fucking kid can't do. Him and our good friend Rob at Brass City Printing put this track together. I've been hearing about little rumblings that Wild Panther is going to take over the world. And to be honest, hearing this track, you got me. I'm in. I'm all the fuck in. So go to the show notes. Check out the band camp. Please support Brass City Printing. Brass City Prints for Shattered Realm. Brass City is the company that took over where Shogun Printing stopped being active, they're going to be a big part of This Is Hardcore in 2022. So much love to the guys. Great demo. This is some wild shit. Hardcore is in a completely different vibe than any other time I can remember. And yet at the same time, resonates so well with different eras. And I just love hearing that they name a band Wild Panther and that my boy Kane is... Ripping some serious Eddie Sutton vibes on that one. Well, today's a special day. It is the first time that I could even publicly talk about, announce, go over topically some of the bands that were going to be a part of the 2022 lineup. And so I figured why not cut a whole entire podcast, short but fun, where I go over this. This is what we do. You know, previous years, I went ahead, I held my mouth, didn't tell anybody anything, wouldn't even let, you know, it was like something out of Area 51 if you ever listened to the Bob Lazar story. Only one person from one group would talk to each other. No one would know everything going on. But we've got a couple loose ends. Otherwise, the whole lineup would have been out. And I know that it is earlier in the July season than normally. So with... Hapri playing on this massive Megadeth and Anthrax tour, but not having a Philly date. And Thursday having a New Jersey City show. We kind of communicated with our teams and decided to drop the ball and let everybody know, boom, we got these. And it's important for me. Not only because of what Hapri was to me as a kid growing up in hardcore and watching them grow to the mammoth size of what they are, 
but uh, this is a this is a white way out for me. I said it in a No Echo interview a couple years ago. Like, hey, Breed's always going to be a band that I would have chased, and I chased and chased and never caught them. And um, in fact, the closest we came was in 2019, and it just didn't work out. And we had Code Orange jump on in in the late stages because I we it was that close to having hate and couldn't pull it off. And um it just was fantastic. And what better timing that as they're celebrating twenty years of the Perseverance record. I mean, this if you were there, I, I should give a little backstory that there is a lot to be said about Jamie Josta previous to Haypreed. You know, this is Josta fourteen this is him starting Stillborn Records. He was a regular promoter. He really built up a lot of people. Uh, he had a distro. Early on, when I first started writing letters to bands, I wrote him for a distro list, try to buy some records. He would send flyers. He would ask me, hey, you want to book this band? Check out these guys. You know, in, in a lot of ways, a lot of people were active like that. And I think sometimes that stuff gets lost in the annals of time. And it looks like Rick to Life was one of the main people out there. But although Rick had the prestige and probably had like the big dish row and, you know, because 25 to Life was jumping at the time, you know, he took a lot of the uh, center stage with that stuff. But Jamie Josta was a very active part of Northeast Hardcore and always helped bands out, you know, even before Hapri was really starting. And I mean, put out some amazing of his own records. And, and you know, what really perseveres in Hatebreed is a work ethic that's unmatched. And uh, you could see it in the bands like Terror. You could see it in the bands that just never stop and just push. And I and much like I said about Terror a couple times how them they are the Avengers. You know, let's be real here. I mean the the current Hatebreed lineup is a best of lineup as well. Like the top of the top. Wayne, Three Guns, Matt Burns, I mean this is gunner shit. This is real shit. And um, this is what it takes to be a band like Hatebreed. And knowing every year another kid's like, when are you going to have Hatebreed? When are you going to have it? it was fucked with my head. I'm like, how the fuck can I get Hatebreed? What the fuck? And knowing what Hatebreed would be for This Is Hardcore and how kids would react to it, be excited for it, it was always something in the back of my mind. Like, before this whole fucking thing ends, I got to get Hatebreed. And since we've announced, I can say, when we got the business meeting for the from Franklin Music Hall done, I was then informed that Haybreed was looking for a date sometime in July. And this entire fest was basically booked around Haybreed, who was coming through on a tour, and they had an open Philly date. So we tried to make it work. And unfortunately, their tour, they ended up changing plans and getting on this massive metal support tour instead of doing their own tour. So we booked the entire fest around just to make sure we had Haybreed. I said, I don't care if we're early in the month. If we've got Haybreed, we're going to roll with it. So it was a fucking big deal for me. And, and equal to that, we go got to go back. In the, the as I, I said this a couple times, but you know, not everybody listens to every episode. In early March of 2020, I was on the telephone with Brian Dilworth, who is the one who was responsible for us coming to the Electric Factory. Tim Bohr, who we've had on the podcast, he is very close friends with Brian. They worked very well together. Tim, as a booking agent, 
Brian as a promoter in Philadelphia. And it was already guaranteed that we had for 2020, this is hardcore, the first East Coast show for the Circle Jerks through Brian. Brian did all the work for that. And that's the cool shit. Brian's given us the venue, but he took an active interest and put a lot of his own time in to secure some of these bands for us. Because, you know, he's the one with the history. He's the one with the, you know, 25 plus years of doing these massive shows at the Electric Factory. And then another 10 years before that, just booking every fucking band you can think of. And, and so it was important that we had Brian as not only our guide and our fucking mentor, but to, you know, secure some bands that are just a little bit out of my league. So we had Circle Jerks. I'm driving to Ohio to go see a friend of mine at some SCA event. And um, I'm on the phone. We were talking to a potential headliner. And eventually got on the call with Brian. And he was like, giving me good advice on what to do with the fest. And at the time, Tim Bohr and I were talking about booking the band Thursday for the other headlining spot at the fest. And I was just up in the air because it, here's Thursday, a band where Jeff Rickley, who's a fucking been a hardcore dude, day one dude, going to First Unitarian Church, was there when Inga Dagger was playing their first shows. You know, named his band after a turning point track and would later play the This Is Hardcore in 2010 with the Inga Dagger set taking the place of the late Sean. I mean, that's a hard thing to do. And then come again 2016 and he takes the place of Skip from Turning Point and does some tracks. I mean, it was only a matter of time that eventually he would go ahead and he would perform this article with Thursday. And I, I, I remember when Thursday started popping. I remember when the full Collapse record came out. And it was because I was talking to this. This is what happens when you're booking a fest. And for a long time and still always, we always talk to bands about who want to reunite because there's always an extra glitz and glamour and a little bit of buzz from bands who are less available. But I'll stick to what I say. It was the reunion bands that came to me. I never came to reunion bands. It wasn't until 2010 where that started being a thing. And that was because a lot of the quote-unquote headliners at the time for the fest, they're too busy on tour and they really didn't see the viability of playing a fest when they could just go on tour. Or they were in Europe at the time and we couldn't get them anyway because Europe's a big part of their income. So we made some adjustments started getting headliners like Sheer Terror and Inga Dagger and all this other stuff. But I've always wanted the, the fest to be focused on the working bands, whether you're a band like Manball and Agnostic Front or Sick of It All or the H2Os or the Trapped Under Ices, the Power Trips, all these bands that are working and touring Code Orange, you know, like Bad Try, I mean, the Terror, the, and the, the list goes on and on and on throughout the years of bands who worked, pushed, and maintained what Hardcore was as the more important thing for me. However, it does help to have a big reunion to bring extra people in to see these bands that work so fucking hard. And Brian had said to me, and I'm trying to use the Brian voice, dude... Don't spend like five fucking weeks waiting on someone to tell you no. Like if they're going to do the fucking reunion, don't say yes in two weeks. Otherwise, you got to move on. You waste too much time. And that is what happened in 2019 with the same band. I was chasing them down, chasing them down. And we had a lot of talks and they seemed so in and they pulled out. 
And then, you know, we were, we were like, fuck, we need a band. What can we do about this? And we just like, you're just shooting into the fucking ether, hoping for something because you waste time. And so Brian's thing was like, don't waste your fucking time. You know, like, here's a band like Thursday. They're going to do the numbers. Like, just lock them in and we'll build a bill around them. And um, I was on my way to Ohio to see a friend of mine. And um, I was on a road trip with another friend. And we were just enjoying it. And he was like, look, Tim's been breaking my balls. Like, Joe hasn't gotten back to me. What's up with fucking Thursday? He's like, so whatever you do, just don't ghost Tim. Like, and if you don't want to do the fucking show, say, Tim, I'm not doing fucking Thursday. And that was the last thing Brian would ever say to me. I would get home from Ohio late Sunday. And I woke up Monday morning and to a phone call from Tim Boer. And I was like trying to get ready for jujitsu. I was like, I'll call Tim after jujitsu, which is exactly what Brian told me not to do, which is ghost Tim. And um, I'm driving to jujitsu and Hard Carl, my partner in jujitsu and in life, calls me and he's like, dude, you got to call Tim right now. I'm like, damn, this fucking Tim really is fucking serious about fucking Thursday. Jesus. So I called Tim. I'm like, Tim, what's up, man? He's like, Brian passed away. And since that point, the whole world seemed to shift. And without Brian where he was at, a lot of things shifted for us because we work alongside AG, who is partners at the Underground Arts, the UT, you know, like they're, we work through Kevin Horn, who's a fantastic guy who worked with Brian. Um, but with the COVID stuff, not having someone who just had a better vibe of what would happen, I, we were fucking lost, you know, and um, there is some emotional relief. And I'm not corny for saying this, but I hope if there's some sentience after life, I hope that Brian is happy that I didn't ghost him and that we finally got Thursday on the bill. And I'm also happy, again, like here's bands that I watch come up from our actual hardcore scene who have long eclipsed the small hall shows that they would build their names in. And, and that's like what I want to see people understand here. Yes, these are bands, and I mean, it's fucking fantastic to see 20 years of and 21 years of because to me that shows this is the level of activity that you can maintain if your band is hustling working hard and you're true to your fans so when I say with the Hatebreed stuff it's interesting because Hatebreed had a fucking massive run for years they supported everyone Slipknot Slayer fucking anyone under them satisfaction years they played some wild shows whether it's with Dropkick Murphys or some regular hardcore shit they worked their ass harder than I think any band I can remember in hardcore. And eventually it was time for another record. And when they dropped this motherfucker, the whole world changed. Like here we are watching a band who the first time they played Philadelphia in 63rd and Race, September of 1996, 25 to Life, Hatebreed, Ubisoft, No One's Heroes, Burnside. There might have been 40 kids there. Here's a band who sold out the Electric Factory in Philadelphia. And then would go on to book these shows yearly called the Stillborn Fest. Like a touring little festival with all sorts of bands. In fact, um, 
for a long time, the last time I'd seen a good Biohazard set was at one of them Stillborn Fests. You know, um, Jamie, finally playing the fest means a lot to me. Thursday playing the fest kind of closes that circle where we were chasing them back in 2020 and I was getting dicked around by another fucking reunion band and I, I was, wasn't really listening to the sound wisdom of Brian at the time. And so, as I said always, like this this festival, this 122, this is, this is to make sure that the guy who shepherded, mentored, catered, and looked after This Is Hardcore gets his due because he's absolutely, it was a fucking fantastic man, a great teacher. And in hindsight, I feel bad that I didn't learn as much as I could have from this fucking guy. And so now to get over the emo shit part of it, this is something that means a lot to me. You know, this is something that bringing this is hardcore back. You know, yeah, I posted a picture of where I'm working because it is a truth. I put, fucking put this shit on the internet. My day's not over. I got a fucking whole day still. In fact, I didn't even have time last night to record this because I was busy doing the art because Juice is too busy. And this is what happens. You know, we put our whole ass into this, but I don't do this hardcore professionally as my sole job. I mean, Union Cement Mason. And so, you know, some things get lost in the cracks. But wanting to do the right thing and get my life back on schedule. Like my life revolved around where I was at with This Is Hardcore. September, I'm talking to the bands we didn't get the year before. And trying to make sure that, the, I call it the honeymoon. You have a band that plays the fest. They absolutely fucking kill it. And they're like, dude, we gotta do this again next year. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we gotta. And I learned later, like, let's talk after the fest when things settle down. Because sometimes I really want the band to return. But then their business stuff happens where they're on tour or, they, you know, new record or they want to take time off. And I can't go back to them and be like, yo, motherfucker, you said last year. Because they're going to be like, ah, we were honeymooning. We were excited that the fucking show went so well. But until this festival started really shaping up, it had been since March of 2020 that I really had something at the scale like this to put on. We were trying something in 2022. Or 20, uh, 20, and then when it fell apart, I gave up on 20 or 21. I, we had so many fucking fantastic shows. Probably should have did something small and little, but anything less than what we were trying to do wouldn't be This Is Hardcore at this point. Or at that point, I should say, rather. So, this is This Is Hardcore in 2022. Hatebreed. 20 years of perseverance. They're going to headline the Saturday night. And what a fucking Saturday it is. Sunday... We have the band Thursday. Funny enough, there's an old school band on the bill. And they call me up. They're like, yo, motherfucker, we said we could play Thursday. We can't play Thursday. We said we're going to be able to play Sunday. And I'm like, my man, <laughs> you're playing on the Sunday. The band is called Thursday. Like, oh, shit, I just saw Thursday real big in the middle. <laughs> so Thursday is going to be the last band playing This Is Hardcore. And um, again, this is 13 bands. 13 out of 50 or so. Can't remember what the right call is. I think it's like 18, 19 bands a day. That's 36. And then we got a bunch of bands on Thursday and Fridays. And then um, we got a bunch of bands on the after show. So it's going to be fucking fantastic. Um, Set yourselves up and get ready for it. 
Um, looking at this list, you know, Madball again, the most contemporary in any style record they come out with. They bring fresh shit. They have a touch of the old school. You know, um, for those who are less aware, at single time, Roger couldn't do a part of the tour. And Freddie and his young teens stepped up and finished a fucking agnostic front tour. So this Madball, to me, has always been the next iteration of agnostic front. Like the second generation of true New York hardcore. And, you know, we were lucky to see them at the Thompson Square Park show last year. We were lucky to have them play the first Pennsylvania show back. A little unfortunate, we had another Philly storm that fucked up a Madball show. But there's nothing more hardcore in the world than Madball. And I'm very happy to have them on the bill. In 2008, we had Comeback Kid play the fest. It's the first time we had them headlining and the only other time they've ever played the fest. They're a band that really kills it in Europe. And a lot of the time, it just doesn't track for them. Ironically, the first year we did the fest, they were on tour of Gorilla Biscuits, which was the week before the first. This is hardcore. This is as close as they came until 2008. So we're happy to have them back. Marauder? Jesus Christ. We're going to have them headline Underground Arts the first night. It's a smaller room. Tickets are going to go for that quick. And there are a few bands, even from the late 90s, and let alone the young bands who could follow Marauder especially if you saw them back in 2017 or 18. They killed it at the fest. And so we got Marauder playing. They're the headliner Friday night. So the headliners are basically Fridays and Marauder at the Underground Arts. Saturdays, Hatebreed at um, the former Lecture Factory, now called Franklin Music Hall. And Thursdays, the headliner Sunday. It's weird to say Thursdays, the headliner Sunday, but that's what it is. And um, how the fuck are you going to do a fest? In 2022, with a real live running machine of the OG Fury of Five lineup, just out there doing it. They fucking sold out the House of Independence show very quickly, and Fury of Five being a part. I mean, I used to write to Jay Fury, we'd talk on the phone all the time. Very blessed to be able to see Fury of Five a shit ton of times. One of my all time favorite bands live. And I told them, this is the best period that I can remember for young kids giving true respect and treating Fury of Five to the fucking kind of love that they should have been shown. So, this is the real deal shit. And then, killing time. The goats. Who will tell you? No raw deal demo. Killing time, how you want to call them. There ain't no, there ain't no man ball. To the point that Matt Henderson said he wanted to make a band that sounded like Raw Deal Killing Time. And that was the output was Madball. And how many bands came from Madball? I can tell you right now, everybody jocks No Warning. Everyone jocks Bitter End. All of it comes from Madball and all of it comes from Killing Time Raw Deal. This is like the foundation block of New York hardcore. Not only fantastic fucking human beings, but literally legacy level amazing band and um, despite suffering the loss of Rich McLaughlin, who also played in Breakdown, they have decided to come up and play this hardcore. And I, I'm just really happy to see that this band is still active and this band still wants to be a part of bills like this. 
So for me, getting killing time was a priority, and I'm so happy that they're playing the bill. Now, misery signals, some people may not get this depending on if they're too young or too old. Misery signals is from the Midwest. They came from a band called Seven Angels, Seven Plagues, which was a late 90s. Very, they, I think they broke up like, I want to say they broke up in like 99 or 2000 or something like that. I want to say that. But they were, Seven Angels, Seven Plagues was ridiculous. Punishment played with them. I think they even might have played an early show with Shattered Realm when they first went to the Midwest. And then they became Misery Signals and wrote music that, and I said this to Maddie from Near the Knife, the difference between today and now is there's dissertations and a complete separation at times between people who are from the metal world but do all the hardcore things. I don't want to call them metalcore because I still look at Alt War and Starkweather and Shadows Fall and all these bands as being truly part of hardcore but off to the side where these kids don't even listen to hardcore. They only listen to the metal stuff. But Misery Signals is a band truly from from that world of when you would go to the show and there would be hardcore people to see these insanely metallic bands but later would be heralded by this later metalcore world. And they've been doing some shows. They're actually on a whole tour with Comeback Kid right now out in the uh, Canada and then they're going to be coming and doing a whole East Coast run. And it just happened to time out where Comeback Kid and, and Misery Signals are on this tour together and they were asking for a date. And I'm like, well, we might actually end up being the week, one of the weekends of this hardcore. And that's how it worked. Very happy to have mis- Misery Signals on the bill. Drain. I mean, if you're from Philly and you were there in October and you saw a show we did with everybody on the floor, that Drain show got wild. Regulate. I mean, that shit was just fucking wild. Kids, kids somehow crowd surfing with no stage to jump off of. Seb literally did a fucking backflip on top of the crowd from the ground. Like fucking Superman shit. And then we just had them back on a Monday night in Philly. And it was like a fucking highlight reel. Including me bringing a boogie board and everyone getting on top of it. And surfing all over the stage in the show. It was fucking fantastic. Drain is a part of this entire rush of bands. Drain has some shared members from Gulch. This is a band that really is, I hate the term blowing up, but. They're really growing in popularity. A lot of people love them. New record, Out of This World. And very happy to have them back for their second This Is Hardcore. This is the only show they're going to play in the entire East Coast this summer. So, you like Drain? You want to see Drain? You better come to This Is Hardcore. All out war. That's one of my... All these bands... All the I've talked about a lot of bands already, like some of my favorite bands, but there's something special about All at War. And the year of 2013, we had Judge play. And not that All at War never breaks up. They just take quiet hiatuses, but they never stop practicing. They always jam with each other. And so I got Mike on the phone, and we brought All at War to this hardcore for the first time since 2007. They might have played a show or two. I think they played the church in 2008 or 9. And that was kind of it for a while. And when they came back, they released this new EP. It was fucking out of this world. And they never stop. They never broke up. They just take hiatuses from time to time. You, you call yourself a metalcore fan or some whatever you call yourself. If you don't fuck with all at war, I don't know what to tell you. 
They're literally one of my favorite live bands of all time. Eddie Leeway, we had on this podcast. For those of you who did not listen, please go back and check out Eddie. We even had him on the Christmas show. Eddie has been fighting cancer, busting his ass to beat it, and Eddie has been holding up to his word and wanting to be a part of this hardcore, texting me, just texting me, hey, am I still playing the Sunday? Like, yes, you're still playing the Sunday. He's the man. And... I, I don't want to put it all on this hardcore, but I know a huge part of things that was getting him excited and having him push and fight with this cancer and the chemo is the excitement of him playing the fest and he's going to be ready. Said he's got a new band. He's getting a new Instagram up. I'm really excited. Leeway is a foundation hardcore band. So many riffs, so many things change in hardcore with Leeway in the bill and much like the Wild Panther, you know, uh, there's so many bands that really learned a lot from Eddie Leeway and his voice, his his vocal patterns are unreal, and they're just a, they're literally just one of them bands where if you know, you know, if you love them, you love them. I love Eddie as a person. I'm a huge Leeway fan, and I'm happy to have them back on the fest. And we can't have a festival without Wisdom and Chains. We had one in 2012, and we said we'll never do it again. Wisdom hasn't been playing as much, though they are playing tomorrow if you're listening on Friday night. Saturday, April 23rd at Thompson Square Park. This is the return of the park show from last year. Madball, Murphy's Law, Capturers, Cro-Mags Jam, JM, Burn, Wisdom and Chains. Um, if you don't, if you didn't, weren't there at the end of Keystone Jam, I mean... Wisdom and Chains played 25, 30 minutes, and it was almost hard for E-Town to follow at first. I'm like, fuck. Wisdom had such a fucking ruckus and such a fucking thunderous reaction to so much climbing and singing along. So many early This Is Hardcores, the, one of the biggest moments was Land of Kings, and it's still one of the biggest moments when everyone's on stage. And we're just not doing this hardcore without fucking Wisdom and Chains. That's all there is to it. And with it being back, the Godfather himself, Richie, pulled the troops together. And gave us the blessing that we will have Wisdom and Chains back. And last and certainly not least, we have Ringworm. Not only because we've been friends, not only because we toured with them, just because they are the, one of the most rippingest bands in the history of Cleveland hardcore. Um, another hardworking, true to themselves fucking band. Young kids starting to understand who the fuck they are again. It's fucked up. They've been around so long, they've also seen so many different. Um, runs of hardcore kids, this waves of hardcore kids. And Ringworms is one of the best bands. And with all the different kind of stuff we got going on, the, I had to have Ringworm be a part of the fest. And I was lucky to get James. Um, and obviously, Hatebreed, Frank Three Guns played in Ringworm. This is this is all good, man. This is what this is what I want. But I, I got to tell you, there's, there's this is just 13 bands. There's 50 something bands. Friday, Saturday, Sunday is a three-day pass. Thursday is going to be its own show as a pre-show. We're going to have Friday night after the show at Underground Arts is going to turn into a dance party, two separate dance rooms. Saturday night after Hatebreed, we're going to have a wild show at Underground Arts, something fucking crazy. And we'll finish the night out after Thursday at Underground Arts. This is going to be a wild weekend, people. This is the first announcement for this hardcore. 
I know I said I was going to keep this short because I just want the pop so people who listen to the podcast can benefit first and be like, damn, Joe, why'd you do this? These are the bands that are either playing towards the top of their day or I just wanted to kind of succinctly put it out there. A lot of a lot of people had already hit me up. You're going to have some younger bands, right? It's like, no, motherfucker, what about Drain? Plus, all these young kids love all the bands that we're just talking about. But yes, this is 13 of 50 fucking bands. We got a lot going on. We got a lot ahead of us. And hopefully with this announcement, I'll get some fire into some fucking people's feet. And we'll be able to go ahead and lock up the rest of the fest and get it announced and on sale. The best way to follow us is through This Is Hardcore Instagram and Twitter. We're going to get the website updated for this year. And obviously, listening every week. But when I tell you, don't be stupid, get your tickets in advance, I fucking mean it. The response and the excitement today has made me so excited. I'm at work. I couldn't even, I had to put my phone somewhere else because I'm like, I, I know I'm going to look at it. I got to wait till after work. I wouldn't even look at it driving home. Got on a, two calls, talked to Bob, talked to Greg. We're talking about the fest. And I'm just now still catching up on stuff. But this is a shorty. This is just to get people to understand that this is hardcore is back, motherfucker. It took me a while. We're zeroed in. It, we're almost there. I think I got six bands I got to work on, maybe seven total. The whole fest is just about wrapped up. We'll get the art, the lineup, the everything they're ready for, for a big full-on announce. But instead of dragging my ass and taking another 10 to 12 days and no one knowing what we have going on and people doubting, and obviously with it being the end of April and only having two months or so before the show itself, it was time to get the fucking ball on the run, time to drop the fucking lineup, let people know that we never fucking went anywhere. We are abiding by the fucking mandates. The venue that we work with is a very professional venue. They, they really can't bend the rules, so we waited. We got the fucking green light in early January. We waited for fucking Hapri. They picked the fucking weekend. We couldn't be happier. The fact that we can add Thursday and that the, both these bands are playing special Sets is just fantastic. Fans love that shit. We love that shit. And this is a celebration of hardcore. It's our fucking family reunion. 2022. Don't fucking miss it. This is hardcore, baby. Thank you so much. Thank you to everybody. There's so many people that wrote me over the last three years. You guys going to do it? You guys going to do it? Thank you. I needed that push. I needed to be reminded what this hardcore meant to people. It was hard the weekends that this hardcore happened. And I'm sitting there looking at memories. And thank you to the people that stuck with us. Thank you for the bands that have faith in what this motherfucking thing is going to be this summer. And I'm just telling you right now, don't miss this one. This is something special. And we're out. Actually, we're not out. Make sure you check out the Rule of Three. We're going to be recording another one of those soon. Richie's got more episodes at his uh, Post America podcast. Special episodes are going to be coming out between myself, Richie, Zach of 185 Mile South. Make sure you listen to the Broadsheet Breakdown. Make sure you listen to From Within Records podcast. Check out Wasted Radio podcast. There's so many cool hardcore podcasts. Make sure you're checking it out. And get ready. Wild bunch of shows. PhCshows.com, motherfucker. Take care. Peace.